Merry Christmas, everyone, and welcome once again to Kingdom Rock Radio. We're going to start a new series right now, and this series is entitled Unwrapping the Gift, Discovering the Real Meaning of Christmas, right here on Kingdom Rock Radio. Unwrapping the Gift. Go to Matthew, Matthew, the first chapter, Matthew, the first chapter. We do welcome our online community this morning watching us, and we do thank you so much for your giving and support of the ministry. I want to thank God for all of you, too, for giving and supporting the work of God, uh, for being obedient uh, in your tithes and offerings. Um, it's so important in this hour more than ever uh, that we keep the light burning. Amen? Amen? As the world gets darker and darker, let's keep the lights on at the church. Literally and spiritually. <laughs> Are you hearing me? So we thank you so much for your financial support and for your prayers uh, that are helping us to keep the light on for the world to see and know. We thank God for our media department and our teams uh, that are getting that word out to uh, throughout the nations. And uh, we're just very excited about what's going to happen even in the year 2013. All right. Matthew, the first chapter. Uh, we're going to start reading at verse number 18. Are you, are you there with me? Uh, the King James Version. Unwrapping the gift. And it says this, now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused uh, to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit, of the Holy Ghost, King James says. Now, the Bible says that they were espoused, meaning that they were engaged, right? All right. Mary and Joseph were engaged. But before they came together, before they consummated the marriage, before they were officially married, she was already pregnant. And God was the daddy. 19. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. That is to uh, sever their engagement privately. He didn't, didn't want to make her an example because she was pregnant outside of wedlock. And that was a no-no. Are you hearing me? Amen. They would stone you, drag the lady out in the middle of town and stone her to death. That was very bad. So Joseph did not want that to happen to her. So he decided, okay, well, we're going to divorce. We're going to break off this engagement privately so that won't happen to you. Verse 20 says, but while he thought on these things, he was thinking about it. Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream saying, Joseph, Thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of who? Is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name who? Jesus. I'm sorry, who? Jesus. And thou shalt call his name Jesus. Why? For he shall save his people from their sins. Very important. Verse 22. Now, all, all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of by, spoken of, uh, spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name. Help me. Emmanuel, which is being interpreted. What? God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife. They got married. 
Verse 25, but it says, and knew her not, they did not consummate the marriage, knew her not until or till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Isn't that something? All right, isn't that something? All right, so we're going to really look at the purpose. We can look at the purpose of Christmas or the purpose in which um, the purpose for the Lord's birth. There's so much surrounding Christmas these days. Uh, the world has put an X where Christ is. They call it Xmas. They say it's an abbreviation, but I don't see how you abbreviate Christ with an X. That doesn't really, there's no X in there. They say Xmas. Happy Xmas. They X Christ out. They they want the presence, but they don't want Christ. They want the eggnog. They want to spike the punch, but they don't want Jesus around. They want the tree. They want the pretty lights, but don't talk about Jesus. There are plenty of Christmas, quote unquote, Christmas songs out that have nothing to do with Jesus. Here's one. Here comes Santa Claus. Here comes Santa Claus. Some, 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 some. That's got nothing to do with Jesus. <clears throat> Are you hearing me? So there are plenty of those. You know, uh, he knows when you are sleeping. He knows when you are awake. He knows when you are bad or good. So be good for goodness sake. <laughs> Nothing to do with Jesus. Okay? Well, you know, the world has done the same thing with Easter. The Easter bunny has nothing to do with Jesus. Okay? So it's the world's way, it's the enemy's way of taking Christ out putting him out. But Christmas is all about celebrating the gift that God gave to mankind. Amen. Unwrapping the gift. Unwrapping the gift. Now, how many of you on Christmas or any other time of the year would have a gift and someone gives you a nice gift, nice bow on it and all that, and it is so nice and has a little weight to it too. I like those gifts that have a little weight to it has a little weight to it. No, I'm not talking about having a brick in the box. So I know somebody's gonna, gonna try that. I know it. Put a brick in a box. <clears throat> All right. But how of us having a gift would leave that gift wrapped and say, oh, thank you so much. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. And put it down and never open it. No, most of us would tear into it immediately. Immediately, right? Tear into it. We want to open a gift. We want to unwrap it so that we can utilize it. See what it is. Maybe it's a SpongeBob tie. I don't know. I don't know what the gift is, but we want to utilize it, right? Okay. So the Father has given His gift to mankind, and we're going to look at what the gift is. What the gift is, of course, and why the gift has come, and uh, what the gift has come to do over the next few weeks. Are you Are you hearing? So you're going to know that Christmas is not, there's nothing wrong with a tree. Just don't kneel down to a tree and worship the tree. Are you hearing me? There's nothing wrong with putting up lights. I like lights. Lights are nice. I like them pretty. Sometimes I wouldn't mind lights being up all year long. Lights are nice. I like looking at the lights. But it's not about the tree or the lights. It's about Jesus. This is the true meaning of Christmas. And we give gifts to one, one to another to celebrate or commemorate what God gave to us. He gave us a gift and we give gifts to one another. All right? All right. All right. So, again, Matthew, the first chapter, 
As we look at verse number, uh, as we go down to verse number 18, we see that the gift was given, that Mary was indeed pregnant, verse number 18 and 20, pregnant of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon her and she did conceive a son. Now look at verse 21. We're going to spend a little time here as to why this gift, why God gave the gift. Okay, why in the world you celebrate Christmas? Some people say, I've heard people say over the years, and you've heard people say this as well. Well, my children won't have Christmas this year. If we don't have no toys, they won't have Christmas. Or somebody stole our Christmas. Somebody stole our Christmas. You know, people had a, there was a home invasion and people stole all the toys. And they say, they stole my Christmas. As if to say that Jesus was a Mattel toy or a Rubik's Cube or a Barbie doll. Are you hearing me? People don't know the meaning. They seriously don't know the meaning of Christmas. They think it's a toy. If they can't give their children a toy, if they can't buy something for someone else, then Christmas is ruined. It's ruined. But it has nothing to do with that. Y'all understand what I'm saying to you today? Let me give you another example about this. Uh, one gentleman told me he's, there was a Thanksgiving parade that was going down the road. One of the, I was in one of the minister's meetings. And there was a, um, and he was standing in the, standing alongside the parade route, and there were children around him. And one particular church had a very nice float, and a big boat on the float. It looked very good. It, you can tell it was really a boat. And they had cutouts of the animals, you know, the giraffe and all that on there. And they even had some live sheep and goats on the back of this float. So it was very nicely put together. Very nice. You couldn't remember the church's name, but very nice. And there was uh, even a man up there that had a, a nice long beard and outfit and had a staff on there. So who do you think that man was on there? We would think it was Noah, right? Noah. But as, was, as his man was standing around and seeing the float, uh, there were there were apparently two brothers beside him, one older and one younger, uh, children beside him. And the younger brother asked the older brother, who is that on the boat? And the older brother said to the younger brother, he said, oh, you crazy so-and-so, you know, that's Santa Claus. <laughs> the younger brother said, oh, oh, that's Santa Claus, oh. So there are a generation of children that have no idea, no clue. They're unchurched. They don't know about Jesus. They don't know. All they know about Christmas is I get a toy. They do not know the meaning of Christmas. They only know the world's view of this. Are you understanding? So let's not take these things for granted. So let's, let's see again in verse 21 why Jesus came. Why God gave the gift. Verse 21 says, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name who? Jesus. Say that three times. Jesus. That's right. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. Now, the name Jesus means Jehovah is salvation. Jehovah is salvation. Okay? Jehovah is salvation. Jehovah means um, the existing one or the great I am or the I am. Are you hearing me? So, as we can say, you will call his name Jesus. So we're saying, you will call his name Jehovah is salvation. In other words, God is bringing salvation to mankind. So when you look at the name Jesus, of course, we know Savior. We think, when we think of Jesus, we think Savior. And this is true. He is our Savior. Jehovah is salvation. 
Are you hearing? So he said, you're going to call his name Jesus. Jehovah is salvation. Why? Why are you going to call him this? For he shall save his people from their sins. God is giving this gift wrapped in swaddling clothing. And we may look at that next week. Wrapped in swaddling clothing, lying in a manger. God has given this gift, the gift of his only begotten son, so that we can be saved from our sins. Hallelujah. Now, let's take a, let's take a little road trip. Let's go over to Romans, Romans the third chapter. Romans the third chapter. You put your finger there in Matthew, we're coming right back. But let's go to Romans, the third chapter, Romans, the third chapter. So we know that Jesus came. Jesus was born, born of a virgin to save us from our sins. Okay. So when we say when we talk about sins, what are we talking about? We're talking about our, our, our errors, our, uh, our wrongdoings. Most importantly, we're talking about uh, our offenses toward God. Okay, sins talks talks about missing the mark, falling short of God's standard. Okay, so when the Lord has come to save us from our sins, that's great. There's only one part of that. But in saving us from our sins, he's also saved us from hell as well. Saved us from eternal judgment, eternal punishment. As we said before, it is culture. The culture has a theology. Our culture has its own theology that is apart from God. The culture, the cultural theology says this. It says that heaven is the default place for all that die. When uncle so-and-so, uncle Juliebug, whoever dies, most people say, well, he's in a better place. He's in a better place. He's in a better place. That's the default place that they say. But we know, as scripture says, that unless Uncle Juliebug, or Aunt Juliebug, <laughs> unless they have received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, they will, go to, they will go to heaven to stand in judgment, but only to be sent back down in the second death. And they will spend an eternity in the lake of fire. And some say, well, that's not fair of God. God's not fair. Why would he send people to hell? God does not send anybody to hell. You go to hell yourself. Well, not y'all, of course. <clears throat> Are you hearing? Jesus came, and we're going to see this in Romans, the third chapter. Jesus came to be our propitiation. That is our pleasing sacrifice. That is God placed his wrath on Jesus. God placed all the Um, all the punishment Jesus was punished for us he took the punishment for us okay God said uh, man is in a mess you're in a rut you're in a bad place and all of you are subject now to to eternal damnation to eternal hellfire all of you he sees man in that state and he loves man so much that he gives his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not what would not perish but have but have everlasting life isn't that right you know a parent i look at this as a parent you know when when my children i remember one particular time my daughter was uh uh in the doctor's office and she had to have a, a shot you know this was about 17 16 years ago 
Praise the Lord. That's the little baby. And, you know, when the baby has to have a shot from the doctor, oh, it, it just pulls your heart out. You don't, because you know the baby's reaction. Sometimes the baby may have that silent cry that comes out later, you know, like they take the shot and just, ah! you know, you got to wait for it. Ah! What is happening here? What is that? What is that? And, you know, if the child is sickly, what have you, the child may have to go to the doctor over and over and over again. And the parent would say, I would rather it happen to me and not the child. Right? I'd rather it happen to me. I'd rather that I, I could take this pain so that you wouldn't have to endure that. Right? You don't want to see your child suffer and go through all that stuff. Well, we may say that, but God did that. God did that. He came down in the form of Jesus Christ, in the form of the Son. Amen? Jesus, all God, yet and still, all man. He came down and he took the full punishment for us. He took the pain for us so that we wouldn't have to endure eternity and uh, an eternal damnation, an eternal separation from God. Are you hearing? So now when people, uh, when they decide to reject God's gift, when they say, I will not unwrap God's gift, it is not God that sends them. But when they reject Jesus, when they reject God's sacrifice that was put in place for them, there is no other place for them to go. There's no other place when you reject God's gift. Are you hearing? Is that making sense to you? So Romans, the third chapter, Romans, third chapter in verse 23, we'll start here. Romans uh, 3, verse 23, out of the King James, it says this, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, why did Jesus come? To save his people from their what? Sin. To save his people from their what? Sin. All right. Now, the Bible says in Romans 3, 23, that all have sinned. That is, everybody that thought they were good, God said, sin. Everybody that they knew they were bad, of course, you already know, sin. All of mankind was judged as sin. All of mankind did not meet God's glorious standard. I don't care how much we give, how much we do. God still says sin. It is already, the judgment is already there. You can't change that. It's already there. All we can do is come under the covering of Jesus Christ and escape uh, that judgment that is there. Are you hearing? He says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Verse 24, being justified freely by, by his grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ, right? That is in Christ Jesus. Verse 25, for whom hath, rather, for whom, rather, mm, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation, that is a pleasing sacrifice, uh, through faith in his blood. Uh, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Now, I want you to notice something here. God gave his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to be a sacrifice so that he could declare right. Now, righteous means uh, being in right standing with God. The Lord Jesus came so that God and so that God could justly and rightfully call anyone he wanted to righteous or in right standing. Now, what does that mean? Think about it. <clears throat> People would say, um, 
uh, demons, devils would say, why is that axe murderer getting into heaven? Why is he getting into heaven after what he has done? Why is that person that, that slaughtered all those people, why are they getting into heaven? Why is that possible? How is that fair, God? How is that just, God, that you let that person get in into heaven? They should be burning right now in that fiery place. They should be burning in that fiery place. God said, I gave my son and I punished my son. My full wrath was upon my son so that I could say to whomever I want to righteous if they believe in him. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? Jesus came so that God could be just in calling anyone righteous so that he could be just in saying anyone whoever believes in Jesus uh, he came so that whoever believed in Jesus the father could say righteous or you are in right standing with me no matter what they've done in their past no matter where you've been no matter what you've heard or experienced, doesn't matter. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus, God then has uh, the duly right. He's duly right to say justify to anyone. Are you hearing? Somebody had to take the punishment for us. Someone had to take it. And the Lord Jesus took that punishment. The Lord, uh, let's go on to verse, uh, verse 26. It, verse 26 says it clearly. To declare, I say, at this time, his righteousness. Righteousness is declared. Okay? It is not earned. It is declared. It is declared. That is, it is spoken over you. Spoken over you that you are in right standing with God. Now, remember, this right standing with God does not have anything to do with you, with your works. How good you've been or, or how many times you've come to church or how many times you haven't come to church or it doesn't have anything to do about how many times you drank Kool-Aid and instead of vodka or whatever has nothing to do with all that. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? This is all God. Brother Kelly, this is all God. Okay. Got nothing to do with you whatsoever. Nothing to do with you. When you put your faith and trust in Jesus, it does not matter about your past, present, or future. When you put your faith and trust in Jesus, the Father sees that. He sees that when you're relying on Jesus, when you're trusting in him, the Father sees that and looks over and says, you're in right standing with me now. Amen. Amen. It got nothing to do with you. You're in right standing. And so the Father said in verse 26, to declare, I say at this, at this time... Uh, his righteousness that he might be just here again that he might be just and the justifier of him that believeth in Jesus all right because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ God now has the the just right to declare people to be right to be in right standing with him when they believe in Jesus all right let's go back over to Matthew now Matthew uh, the first chapter verse number 21 once again <clears throat> So this is God's plan of salvation. When you see the Lord Jesus wrapped in a manger, uh, rather wrapped in swaddling clothing in a manger, praise the Lord. This is God's gift. This is the appearance of God's gift that he has given to us to save us from our sins. Now, his salvation, of course, this has eternal effects, but it also has temporal effects that is, uh, sin will no longer have dominion over us, for we are not under the law, but under grace. Jesus came to break the power of that sin off of our lives. Verse 22 says, um, 
Now all this was done that it might be spoken, rather that it might be um, fulfilled, which was spoken of the prophet, or rather which was spoken of the Lord by the, by the prophet. Now this comes, of course, out of Isaiah 7.14. As we now, as the Lord now turns our attention to the past. Now, Jesus Christ was the fulfillment of prophecy. His birth was the fulfillment of prophecy. The father foretold that he would send his son into the world to save the world from their sins. Because all mankind was counted unto wrath. All mankind. I don't care if you had a collar around your neck or not. If you dressed like a penguin or not. Didn't matter. All mankind was counted unto wrath. Every last one of us from generation to generation to generation. Okay, so God needed a remedy and he did have remedy even before Adam, Adam fell. Let's look at this. Let's look at this, at this prophecy here. It says in Matthew 23, Matthew 1, 23, it says, behold, a virgin. And this is the sign that God says, if you, if you were to look in um, Isaiah, the seventh chapter, verse uh, 14, you would see this. It says, a virgin shall, uh, shall be with child and shall bring forth a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, being interpreted God with God with us. Now look at that, a virgin. This is a God foretells, and he told it Isaiah, prophesied that his son uh, would come through a virgin birth. In other words, a uh, man would have nothing to do with this. Not a man would have, have nothing to do with it, but he would impregnate the virgin. And we know that he did there in fulfilling scripture. She was found of child of the Holy Spirit. Okay, now this virgin birth was foretold there also in the book of Genesis. We'll get that. Let's get that. Let's get Genesis, the third chapter. Let's flip over that to Genesis, the third chapter. Genesis, the third chapter, how God had already said way back in Genesis. And you'll see the context also. Genesis, the third chapter. This is right after Adam and Eve um, had eaten of the forbidden fruit and Adam and Eve try to hide and God says where are you and he said I'm, I'm hiding from you because I was naked you know who told you you were naked and then they go through the entire discussion here look at verse number 14 Genesis 3rd chapter verse 14 and the Lord begins now to deal with the serpent and the Lord and the Lord God said unto the serpent because thou hast done this thou art cursed above all cattle and, ab and above every beast of the field. And upon thy belly shalt thou go. And dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. Okay, side note, we already know that the serpent at one point had legs. Because he was cursed to go on his belly. So obviously before that he had some legs. And could move around. But now the part of the curse is taking his legs away, and now he's going to eat dust all of his life. Okay, so at one point, the snakes did have uh, legs. All right, verse 20, rather verse 15 says, And I will put enmity, or, or warring, or hostility, between thee and the woman. Listen, between thy seed and her seed. Her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt uh, bruise his heel. All right, verse 15 talks about the seed of the woman. Now, it is the man that carries seed. It is the man that carries the seed, not the woman. 
As a matter of fact, when you look at the generations in Scripture, you don't see the generations uh, chronicled in the woman. You see the generations chronicled in the man. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and so forth and so on. It is the men that carry the seed of the generations. But God says here, it is the woman that will carry the seed of the generation. And surely he did because this is found in her of the Holy Spirit. This talks of a virgin birth. All right. He says that this seed is going to is going to bruise your head, but you're going to bruise his heel. Now, if we would look at, think about a moment, think if there was a, a, a snake on the ground, right? And we know that the power of the snake is in his mouth, right? And uh, what's the power? We call it poison, right? And it's fangs. You're going to, the Bible says that this seed we know is Jesus Christ is going to bruise your head. So we pick up our foot. Come on, pick up your foot. We pick up our foot. We pick up our foot, right? And we put it down on the serpent's head. Boom. Okay. At that moment, your foot is down there. You are crushing his head. But the weight of the force of it is also hurting your heel. You're, uh, so one sweeping motion, you're crushing the head of the enemy, but it's also, he is also hurting your heel. Okay. So the Lord bruises the head of the serpent. The head is where his power is. The, the power of the devil here, of course, is sin and what he has over the body, what he has over mankind, his power, uh, to sin or, uh, the power to convince man to sin or to, uh, or dominate. It also talks about uh, the, the devil's authority. The Lord's going to crush his authority or crush his ability uh, to hold man under sin or to hold man by sin. And didn't he do that? Sure he did. Jesus came to save his people from their sins. So he crushes the head of the enemy. But in the process of crushing the head of the enemy, he was going to be crushed. It wasn't Jesus Christ crushed on the cross. Wasn't he wounded on the cross? And as we are in his generation, hasn't the enemy also wounded you? And at times crushed you? But haven't you also had authority over him? Okay? So the enemy would have, God was foretelling and telling us, that the enemy would have some power uh, to, uh, to um, crush or hurt us, but in the end, we would also be victorious. So we have him under our feet. Okay, we have him under our feet. So the Lord here is talking about that virgin birth, that she would bring forth a son. And you're going to call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sin. Now let's go back again to Matthew, the first chapter. Y'all still with me today? Amen. So this was foretold. This was foretold. As a matter of fact, before you go into Matthew, let's go to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews, the 10th chapter, Hebrews 10. As we're still talking about this gift that God gave. Now we know why the Father gave the Lord Jesus Christ. We know why Jesus came. He came to do what? To save his people from their sins. To save his people from their sins. And we see that it was foretold there in the book of Isaiah, the seventh chapter, and also foretold there in the book of Genesis, the third chapter, that the seed of the woman would come and destroy the devil's power. But in the process of destroying his power, he himself would be injured. He himself would be crushed or bruised, right? And didn't that happen? Sure it did. All right. 
But now let's see something. We're going to look even further. Let's look even further uh, before Genesis. There was a time, you know, before Genesis. Amen. There was a time before Genesis. And uh, Hebrews talks about that time. Hebrews, the 10th chapter, as there was a uh, decision made there in the heavenlies about what would happen. All right. Uh, Hebrews, the 10th chapter, verse number four. We're going to start here. All right. It says, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should do what? Take away sins. All right. Remember the old sacrificial system, the law. That uh, uh, yearly, the people would come and they would bring their they bring their bulls and their goats in, and they would, um, you know, the priest would come and, and take the blood of the animal, kill them, sacrifice them, and, and uh, bring them in on the day of atonement to cover the sins of the people. They weren't taken away, but they were just covered. The sins were covered. The blood of those animals covered the sin. We, we gave you an example before, like um, in the bathroom after somebody comes out, you know, who's had a particularly rough time in there. And they get that spray, you know, and it's, it's a rosy scent, but you still smell the funk and the rosy scent, right? The rosy scent covers the funk. It did not take it away. You still know it's there, Right? So the blood of bulls and goats and all that, it simply covered it. It did not take it away. It was impossible that those animals, the blood of all that could have done that. All right. So let's go back. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Impossible. Verse five. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, who's he talking about? Who's coming into the world? Who do you think? Jesus. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, he's speaking. Sacrifice and offerings thou wouldest not. You didn't want that, God. You didn't want that, Father. Sacrifice and offerings thou wouldest not. But a body has thou prepared for me. Okay? You prepared me a body. You prepared me a body. Now, when this, when this word was spoken there in the book of Genesis, when the Father said, um, uh, and the seed of the woman shall bruise your head, this seed was already established in heaven. The father wasn't saying, you know, some of us, you know, as humans, we will we'll, we'll make decisions for people, you know, all the time. We'll make those decisions um, maybe like if, if someone comes to me and says, Pastor Stroud, you want, let, me take, let me take you and your wife out to dinner. And my wife is standing there. I might say, well, uh, I look at her. Well, sure, that'd be a good idea. Sure, sure. What, what, I'm deciding for her, right? I don't know what she wants to go or not. Sure, sure, that'd be a good idea. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, the proper way is to confer with your spouse first, right? Oh, okay, let me get back with you, okay? Yeah, yeah, let me. And we talk it out. Do you want to go? I don't know if I want to go, baby. You sure? They paying. Oh, really? They paying? Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. Yes, we'll go. Yes, 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 we'll go. Yes, we'll go. So I'm saying that to say this, that there was a conference in heaven before the father released the word, her seed. Okay, so he says here, the father knows all of this stuff, what's about to happen. And he says here, sacrifice and offerings thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. He already had a prepared body. He said in verse six, in uh, burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast not uh, had no pleasure. 
right? Thou hast had no pleasure. God said, I, I, pleasure here meaning the word, meaning satisfied. God said, your offerings, your, your oxes and your turtle doves, I didn't have any satisfaction in that. That didn't take away it. That didn't take away the sin. He said, you didn't have any pleasure in that. Verse 7, then said, I, lo, I come. And here's the Lord speaking. I love this. I love this. I love this. It's kind of like he's, he's saying these words uh, as, as he's entering into the body of Mary. It's like, lo, I come. I'm coming. He's coming. See the uh, descent from heaven into, into Mary. He said, lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do thy will, O God. I'm coming to your will. Verse 8. Above when he said, sacrifice an offering and burnt offerings and offerings for sin, thou wouldest not. You didn't want that. Neither had pleasure uh, therein. You weren't satisfied. Which are offered by the law. Then said he, lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh, he taketh away the first that he may establish the second. Uh, verse 10. By the which will... We are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Once and for all, Jesus dealt away with that whole sin problem once and for all. And he goes on and breaks it down. What is he talking about once and for all? Look at verse 11. And every priest standeth daily ministering the offering uh, for oftentimes the same offering which can never take away sins. Every day, every year, the priest had to come and, and offer the sins, offer the sacrifice for the sins of the people. Every year, they had to do it constantly over and over and over again. But all that blood did not take away sin. It just simply covered it. We still knew it was there. It was still on your record. We just didn't look at it. Okay? You see what I'm saying? It said, but this man, talking about Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, forever set down at the right hand of God henceforth rather from henceforth expecting uh, till his enemies be made his footstool so the earthly priest those um the earthly priests they came and they uh they brought the bulls and you know they they presented the blood before God but it didn't take away the sin and they had to do it they there was no place to sit in the tabernacle okay in the holies of holies there was no seat in there you did your business in there, you stood, and then you walked out if you could. All right? Uh, there was no place to sit down in the, in the most holy place. There was no seating in there. You stood. And so the priests had to do that year in, year out, year in, year out, uh, monthly, monthly, weekly. They had to do it all the time. They were standing. But when Jesus offered his blood, he sat down, meaning there's no more need for any more sacrifices. There's no more need for anybody to go through this whole process again. The work is completed. It is completed fully, and it satisfies God. So Jesus has taken away the sin. Are you hearing? Now let's go back to Matthew. Let's go back to Matthew now. Let's go back to Matthew, the first chapter. So we see here again in verse number 21, and, and, and uh, we're closing now. I pray you, you, you're getting a better picture now of why the Lord came. Verse 21 says again, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Why? For he shall save his people from their sins. Right? Now, here's the startling thing. Uh, look at uh, verse, verse 22 says, 
Um, now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the prophet, spoken of Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin uh, shall be with child and shall bring forth a son. Now I want you to see those two words, child and son. Big difference. Child and son. We'll get to that. They shall bring forth uh, a son, and they shall call his name what? Emmanuel, God with us. Now I'm saying this in closing. God with us. This was such a very powerful saying that God would walk among men. Now, the scripture says that through the Lord's poverty, we became rich. And people say, well, if Jesus was so poor, then why were people gambling for his clothes at the time of crucifixion? Because he had some nice clothes. He wasn't poor. They say he wasn't poor. He wasn't poor. But if you understand where he came from. Now, he is all God. Now, as we said before, you know that God is so huge that he feels all in all. Right. As we look up in the midnight sky and and see the stars, we're looking into his pupil. I believe he is so large. He feels all the cosmos, all the galaxy known and unknown. He is huge. He has angels at his beck and call. Everything is under his control. Everything is there. Okay. And so he has to fit all of him into a body and walk on a dusty earth. When instead he's walking among the stars, he's walking among stars. Now he's walking among the dust. Are you hearing? He's leaving a place that has um, the streets of heaven are paved with gold, solid gold through and through. He's leaving that to come down to a place and walking on a dusty ground, swatting mosquitoes. If you don't call that poor, I don't know what you call it. So that we, through his poverty, might become rich. Okay? So he left all of that to come down and to be confined in a body. To be confined in a body. Wow. He confounded him, or rather, he confined himself in a body to be at one location at a time. Wow. Now, I have no problem believing that he is still, he's 100% God walking on earth, and he's still 100% God there in heaven. Somebody said, well, who is Jesus praying to? Who was he praying to? He was praying to himself. I have no problem thinking about that. He is God on earth. He is God the Son on earth. He is God the Father in heaven. He is God the Holy Spirit who lives and dwells on the inside of us. Are you hearing? But that is, a, if you need, if you really just pray about the revelation of that, that he would be God with us, Emmanuel, God with us, God walking in the flesh. How is it possible that a human body could contain that kind of power and majesty? Only God could work that out. Only he could work that out. Well, there are more things that I'm going to show you on next week, so I pray that you uh, will be ready to receive that. Amen. Let's give Lord a hand of praise. We're done in Jesus' mighty name. We pray that you are richly blessed by today's message. We would love to connect with you. Just go to our website at kingdomrock.org. You can become our friend on Facebook or follow us on Twitter and subscribe to our YouTube channel and a whole lot more. Right there at kingdomrock.org. We would love to hear from you. And if you're in the Bremen area, please stop by and join us every Sunday morning 
Sunday school is at 9 a.m. and Sunday morning is at 10. Wednesday night, we have what's called Hour of Power. It starts at 6.30 p.m. All are invited. We're located at 180 Helton Road in Bremen, Georgia. Give us a call at 770-537-1933. We would love to hear from you. And if you have a prayer request, by all means, please log on to our website at kingdomrock.org and click on the prayer page. Until tomorrow, remember that Jesus is Lord. Choose Him as your Lord today. Only He can make a way.